This is LBC from Global, leading Britain's conversation. The best of Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. I hope your weekend has started well. I'm with you for the next couple of hours to ease you gently into your Saturday morning. In an hour's time, I'll be in conversation and I'll be telling you who I'll be talking to this week a little bit later on. Before that, I'll give you a chance to catch up on some of the best bits from the 4am spike this week. What do you mean you missed some of the programme? I expect a note from your parents or your doctor at the very least. So over the next hour, the best of Steve Allen. You'll hear what grabbed my attention over the past week from the massive stories we've all been reading and talking about to the barely Z-listers that we have to Google just to remember who they even are. Don't bother please texting, tweeting or emailing me about what you're having for breakfast, because I don't care, or what your favourite biscuit is. I couldn't care less at the best of times anyway. I'm Steve Allen and I'm with you until 7 o'clock this Saturday morning. So sit back, open your ears and enjoy the conversation. Yesterday, I decided to go and get... What was I getting? Oh, fitted sheets. Fitted sheets. I wanted fitted sheets. I don't know why I just wanted fitted sheets. So I go to the place where I, I, I just know you can buy them. And they're not very expensive. About 20 quid or something like that. A little bit more. Fractional. And so I go to John Lewis and partners. Sorry, I forgot about the partners bit. Unfortunately, the partners were away yesterday. So we stand there, four of us, while there's one woman... And the woman who is at the till, the customer, is buying four pillows, a duvet. We are seriously going through the... But there's nobody else around. And there's four of us blokes standing there like lemons. Nobody around. Nobody stacking shells. Nobody looking over to go, do they need any help on the tills? Nothing at all. So eventually we, we dispensed with the woman. That was fine. She picked up all her bags and toddled off. And we get down to the bloke. He needs some advice on something. Anyway, he, he's sort of part of our little gang all of a sudden. And so we're all standing there. And this woman obviously, you know, eventually looks up and sees that there's a few people in a, in a queue. So dings her bell. Pfft, nothing. No, nobody bothered. Nobody bothered at all. You know, and yet downstairs there's people sort of, you know, dusting the, uh, the units. But there's nobody upstairs serving in the bedding department, which is quite big. It does bedding, towels, flannels, all sorts of things. But one person, one poor old lady serving and so I, I start doing it is it anybody else serving because I don't stand there quietly I'm afraid you know I've been there I want to spend my money with them and they're just being complete and utter buffoons you know where are the staff where are the blooming staff and so I said I said do you not have any staff she went no and I thought, yeah, probably they've spent so much money on their blooming adverts that they can't afford any partners anymore so what so she rings her bell again Nothing, nothing. We're standing there looking at each other like, what is going on with this place? Small wonder the partners are not going to be making any money out of it. I was so angry. I nearly put the stuff down and said, you know, I'll go somewhere else. You don't deserve my customer. I've stood here. So she goes to me. She goes, you can always use another till. I said, I've got bad legs. I'm a diabetic. I've got heart problems. I'm not supposed to walk. So uh, eventually she gets you. I'm really sorry about, about the delay. I said, but where are the staff? Where eventually some woman turns up, not an apology of, sorry, you've all been standing here like dipsticks waiting to be served by somebody. I was so cross, so cross. Didn't get that in uh, Marks and Spencer's, but we've got it in John Lewis. As I say, spend more money and uh, I'll go somewhere else. It's, unless you're going to get some staff in. Why were you standing there for so long when there's other tills? You were simpleton. Here we go. Today's troll. Today's troll. Because um, I've got bad feet. I'm disabled. What's your problem? Apart from being thick. Honestly, I tell you, I don't know where some people come from. 
Kristen says, I'm sorry to hear about your experience of John Lewis. They keep reducing the hours, and as partners, we're crying out for more partners, but the hierarchy won't listen. Well, that's put this way... Kristen, they can spend five million on Elton John for a Christmas advert, yet they haven't got any bloody staff. Excuse my French. It's not French at all, actually. French would be un, deux, trois, quatre, cinq, six, sept, huit, neuf, dix, un, deux, treize. Peter says it's called customer care. There was no care. They couldn't care less. As a customer, they don't care about you. They really don't. Otherwise, surely a manager, God knows they seem to have enough managers wandering around, their heads stuck up in the air, you know, and you feel like saying, I'm sorry, did you see anybody queuing at the tills? What did that tell you? You know, did you have half a brick? No, I'll go down the escalator. There's two of them chatting away at the bottom. La, 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 la. I felt like saying, I'm sorry, I've just been queuing for ten minutes up there because you haven't got any staff, and you're down here chattering away like a pair of old Marys. Get some staff up there. Start doing your job. What do they get paid for? Answer, God alone knows. Rob says, I bought a new jacket recently from M&S and there was only one person serving and the gormless lad said he was on work experience. The queue was a mile long. I had that once. Do you remember? And I go to Marks and Spencer's in Richmond and I buy the things and it was work experience. And uh, what did he do? He left the blooming security tag on. So when I walked out the front door, it set the alarms off. Woo, 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 woo. And she so had to go back up there. And one of the other women said, well, he is new. I said, well, do you not think whether he's new or not, the first thing you should have taught him is they come with security tags. I mean, surely you don't have to have half a brain cell for that one. It's ridiculous. Never get this problem in Aldi, says Barry, who'd know about that because they, they take all his vouchers. And uh, Steve, maybe the high street, says Ian, will become a relic of the past, like Stonehenge, the Sphinx and polite old ladies in cloche hats drinking sherry and solving crimes. Happy days indeed. Unfortunately, I fear they are never to return. And that's why you got me in the morning to sort of sound off for the rest of you who've been through exactly the same experiences. This is the best of Steve Allen on LBC. You don't even have to dress up for this job, as Darren will will prove to you most days. You know, you don't have to wear sort of suits or anything else like that. Yes, it, yeah, oddly smart today. Well, he's, I mean, he's down to the last item before he has to take them all back home tomorrow. I know, shirt. I know. Look at you. Is it fake shirt? Oh, right. Is it actually fixed to the jumper? Oh, see, I've had some of those before. I thought they were really good. I thought they were nice. They're still available, are they? You have, No, I like things like that. Yeah, no, no, no. It's like, um, who was it doing that? She was doing a gag about something like that. I think it was Victoria Wood. She's, a, she's on stage out, in, out in, in the suburbs, and she said, oh, this is a marvellous place to live, isn't it? She said, it must be the only place in the country where you can buy a yellow Acrolan pullover. She says, so if ever I think about buying one, she said, I should come back down to the Swan in High Wycombe. She said, but I found a couple of shops that sell these Acrolan sweaters, obviously for sort of ladies. Because some of you ladies, you get items which, I mean, there must be little old lady shops somewhere out there. When you, when you get to sort of 45 and then you think, I think I'll wear sensible shoes. And they're, no, they're not charity shops. No, they are little old lady shops. They're called little old lady shops. I think you're right. I think, I think it could be Oxfam and stuff like that. And you come out looking like Mary Poppins, you know, I have confidence in confidence alone. As she walks down the road and then gets that bloody guitar out and they'll go, don't sing, please don't sing. Do, you know, that's all you want to hear in The Sound of Music, isn't it? You don't want to hear anything else apart from Julie Andrews. Oh, look, shall I make something out of the curtains? Please don't. He's really rich, our father. He's really rich. We don't need to go out in curtains. And so they all go out in curtains. I mean, what they look like, I can't imagine. The good burgers, as they say, of Salzburg. And what did they, what'd they do? They make a film about um, the Von Trapps. We hated them. We hated the Von Trapps. And then they brought on the Von Trapp family children are now going out as a group singing. 
And they always do the same blooming song. Edelweiss, Edelweiss. Did you know that when he sang it in the film, that wasn't his voice? He can't sing. Christopher Plummer couldn't sing, so they got somebody into mime uh, to actually sing the song, and he mimed to it. Because I thought it couldn't be difficult. It's, a, it's, a, it's what they call um, a talkie song. Edelweiss, Edelweiss. I thought he was dying. Have you never seen it? Oh, God, it's wonderful. I could do the whole show for you in about, you know, a minute and a half. But I won't, because you've not paid. But I, I could do. I could. Do. I, mean, I loved it. And the, and the end scene at the mountain, where they sort of climb every mountain, they had to make him carry up Gretel, the smallest that, but she was quite fat. Um, and they got to the top, and the uh, the film, film director said, OK, can we do that again? And Christopher Plummer went, I don't think so. <laughs> he said, we'll take that shot, and that'll be it. And at the beginning, which we haven't seen it, of course, but she's running around in a field, you know, singing The Hills Are Alive, and it's a little stream, but it wasn't. It was a fake stream in a field, and every morning the farmer would come round and puncture it so it would go completely dry, and they'd have to fill it up again because he hated them being there. And she was being filmed by a helicopter, and as the helicopter, and she whirled round like that, every time she did that, the helicopter overhead flattened her to the ground because of the downdraft. <laughs> it was all the dreadful problems. So you may wonder why I know a few things about The Sound of Music. I just like camp things. I can't help it. It's just known as a camp film. Every year they, they would show it on our television and probably other people's too. We weren't exclusive. And, and my family would all disappear somewhere else, you know, down the mine. And, and I'd be left sitting there watching The Sound of Music, even though I'd seen it a million times. I just, I just loved it. I just, it's great. I'm surprised you haven't seen it, actually. I thought you'd really enjoy that. So do, do you not have a weepy film that you watch? Oh, you don't like musicals? Oh, Slightly odd, isn't it? How does that happen? How does that happen? You don't like... Yeah, well, I'm not at all surprised. I mean, people like us like musicals. That's us tall people. And um, we all... And, and we sing... And you don't do... Mu what sort of films do you do, then, if you don't do musicals? Oh, see, I hate horror films. I don't like horror... I don't like to have somebody manipulating my emotions. And when I went to see Friday the 13th, first time round, I sat there in the cinema all by myself which is even worse. If you go with somebody, at least you've got somebody to cling on to. And I didn't have anybody. And there's a bit. And then at the very end of the film, it's all calm. And all of a sudden, this thing rises out of the lake. And I screamed. The only one in my row who screamed, you know, like a complete dipstick. Uh, and then there was another one where a couple having sex on a, on a bed. They were at this lake, whatever it's called, Thai or something. And, anyway, and this sword comes right up through them. And you think, they're not having a good day, are they? So I don't want to watch that. And then I saw, what was the film? Was it Godzilla, where this thing comes out of the sea? And its eggs are hatching in New York's Madison Square Gardens or something. And they go in there and it's all... It's always dim lighting, isn't it? Always dim lighting in these... Well, then they just turn the lights on. You know, you could see them. And all these eggs were hatching and there's all these Godzillas coming out. Oh, is that, oh so I can't... I don't, I don't know what to do with things like that. I, I, really, I don't want to frighten myself. I'd rather sing along wearing the curtains. You know, and you don't find many of that in horror films, do you? Don't find anybody wearing the curtains unless they're burying them in them. You know, burying them face down. You know, dig your way out of that. Listening to you singing snippets of the sound of music. Made me think of Lee Marvin, says Eddie. I was born under a wandering star. That was such a good... And he's getting drenched. Imagine how many times they must have to film that and then dry everything out and then start all over again. Wheels are made for rolling, mules are made to pack. I've never seen a sight that didn't look better looking back. 
And on the other side was a song called I Talk to the Trees. That's a drug-infused film, if ever there was one. I talk to the trees, but they don't listen to me. It's a tree. It's a tree. Of course they're not listening to you. Don't be so ridiculous. But, uh, no, I love, I love musicals. I love songs. I just like something that makes me look as though somebody's working really hard at it. This is LBC. Hear Steve Allen live every Sunday morning from 5 and Monday to Friday morning from 4. Monday morning. Your worst day of the week. Your worst nightmare. You've had a nice Sunday. You've had a nice Saturday. You might be suffering with a bit of a head from yesterday and you're thinking, oh, good grief, honestly. I can think of anything I'd rather be doing than getting up and going to work, getting down to the station, forget out the bloody way, edging your way onto the train and then somebody inadvertently presses up against you and they stop it. I sometimes look for those carriages. You know, a second I don't, actually. I don't, if, if a train comes in and it's packed, I don't bother. Who are these people? Who, excuse me, I've got a bicycle. Go away! Especially if it's a bicycle that doesn't fold. Even more annoying first thing in the morning. Very annoying. And, uh, and then there's always somebody, isn't there? They've got a coffee. I saw somebody the other day eating porridge on the train. What sort of peasants eat porridge on the train? I mean, goodness sake, honestly. When do you wait till you get to work and have porridge? They're sitting there eating porridge. Or failing that, it's we've still got them. The makeup brigade. Here we go. OK, I'll just open my huge Mary Poppins bag. Whoosh! Polyfiller. Here we go. <laughs> it's like Yuva Janaya Doubtfire in the kitchen when she sticks her head in the bucket of whatever it is, cream. And it's very much like that. And, then we put it, and I feel like saying to them, you don't look any different. You look exactly the same as when you started doing the makeup. There was a bloke yesterday, I get on the bus, and I'm sitting there, and, I mean, I'm not, I'm not really bothered by what everybody else is doing on the bus, but I can't help it if the bloke behind me is on his telephone and he's going, yeah, but listen, there ain't nobody who loves me as, as much as you do, and you owe me everything. And this goes on for the whole journey. In the end, I feel like getting off and going, we know more about your life than's healthy. Small wonder you're lonely. And he said, yeah, how, how, how are the kids? Yeah, no. Yeah. Well, I saw it the other day. I don't know. She doesn't like him, does she? And we had this, this half conversation. It's like people sit there with their headphones on. That's all you can hear. And you feel like saying, I'm sorry, can you read the signs up here? Steve, you mentioned uh, eating on the train. I eat McDonald's just to annoy people. Well, that's just common. You can't eat McDonald's on the train. That's just disgusting. I'm waiting for somebody. I've always wanted to. I don't know if it would ever work as a comedy sketch. So actually, you know, they have the bit where they've got the toilet with the door that swings round. And, if, if, you know, you've, I always watch it to see if they lock it inside, if they understand, you know, how, how to lock the door. And I always wanted to set up a curtain and have a shower going on just to see what people are... What are you doing? I'm having a shower. This is the early train. What are you talking about? Of course, it's water. Of course I'm having a shower. And see whether you could get away with it without, without somebody complaining. <laughs> I, just, I just quite fancy doing that. I don't know why, actually. Toilets were always dreadful. There was somebody at the toilet the other day at uh, Marks and Spencer in Richmond. I was desperate for the toilet. Luckily, I managed to hang on till I got home. But I, I assumed they'd fallen asleep in there. That's what people do, isn't it, nowadays? They fall asleep. Uh, a mate of mine was on a train going to work and somebody was sick on his shoe, says Shane. Oh, that's very inappropriate. Mind you, you could tell if somebody's going to be ill, can't you? I always stay well away from people like that. Have you thought, says Linda, that person could have died in the toilet? No, I didn't think that at all, dear. Generally speaking, people who are dead don't pull toilet rolls apart. But there you go. You know, I'm sure you know better. One of my most embarrassing moments, says Jane, Friday night after drinking almost the entire menu of cocktails, without warning, I was very ill on a crowded Friday night tube train. Oh, how embarrassing. Oh, that must be the worst thing ever. I'd never have got on a train. 
Never have got on a train. Steve, you made me laugh out loud. I'm dreading the bus and the metro journey to work. My route's full of people looking like rats. And as soon as I get off, everybody asking for change. Does my head in. Oh, do they? Oh, right. I saw somebody on the bus the other day. We, yes, we sat there. It must have been a good two minutes. Her car didn't work. It didn't even go beep, 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 beep. Did nothing at all. And we're standing there. I'm thinking, how much longer before we... Re-? Everybody else got on. Their cards worked. She said, well, you better go on before me. In the end, he let her on. And I thought, I don't think you're allowed to do that, actually. Make it get off. Get off! Although if it's a school child, you let them get on. It's a sim- They're not paying for it anyway. Why does it matter? And the answer is, it doesn't matter. That's right. Yes, when you get off, there's all these people going, hello, would you like to be friends with Jesus? And I was thinking, well, it's a bit early in the morning. I'd rather be friends with Greg's, actually, if it's all the same to you. But they do that. They're all standing there. They're not allowed to approach people. You're supposed to go up to them at trains. Why? You want to discover God at train stations? I've got no idea. Perhaps he's running the railways. Can't be any worse than the present people, can it? And so they go, and they're always talking to each other. You don't like to interrupt. So I don't know what's the point of it. Is it a concerted effort to get you to join? Are they the Mormons or something? Or I don't know who they are. Are they Jehovah's? I don't know who they are. I've never, I've never, I'm too frightened to go over and pick up a book. Sorry, could I just have a free book? Hello, would you like to be friends with Jesus? Should we say a small prayer? No, I'm outside Waterloo Station. I want to go and get a train. But they're all over the place. They're out even as far as Twickenham. Richmond, you walk out the door. In Catford as well. God, Richmond, the other day, we had people. They were trying to get you to sign up. Hello, have you got a few minutes? No, do I look like I've got a few minutes? Greg's is going to run out of bacon rolls if we're not careful. But they always do that, though, don't they? You know, hello, have you got a few minutes? And they jump in front of you. And so the first thing to do, I always advise people, if you're getting off the bus and you see them there, the chuggers, take the phone out or just hold your hand up to your ear and pretend you're talking to your fingers. Works a treat, I promise you. Hello, yeah, so and so. They don't, they're not allowed to approach you. But if you don't have your thing there, hello, have you got a few minutes? Of course I haven't. But I'll tell you what you can do, which really annoys them. Go and stand next to the person that they're talking to and listen to what they're saying. They, they will stop talking immediately. They will stop talking immediately. And what they will do is they'll go, can I help you? And you go, no, I'm just listening to what you're saying. I'm talking to this person. Well, you're on a pavement, darling. It's a pavement for all of us, not just people like you, earning £11 an hour. Why don't you donate your fee to the charity? Make it a lot easier. This is the best of Steve Allen on LBC. So funny, there's a quote from Emma Willis here. It's only because it made me laugh. And she says here, I don't think people realise that they actually say something and they don't realise the implications. She says here that her, her young son loves leopard print and wants to be a fashion designer. Okay. <laughs> you wonder where it starts, don't you, really? She said that uh, uh, their, their boy shares their taste in decor. She says there's a lot of leopard print in my house, blinds, pillow and even a headboard. Uh, the son is six and spends all day drawing dresses. La, 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 la. Don't make me say it, please. But, yeah, people say, are you born gay? Or, you know, do you kind of develop it? He's drawing dresses. Perhaps he's going to be a great designer. He's just expressing himself. And, but, do you know, I was trying to think back, actually, because when I read that, I thought, it's interesting. Kids sit down and they draw, don't they? And I can remember, we used to have coloured pencils, we, didn't, we weren't lucky enough to have any felt tips or anything like that. But for the life of it, come on, what I drew. I know as an adult, I draw boxes. But I haven't drawn boxes for ages. And somebody then uh, tried to work out exactly what that meant. If you draw boxes, that means that you like everything compartmentalised. And, uh, I mean, you can basically say any old rubbish, can't you, really? And, uh, and so I just draw boxes and then boxes onto boxes and then boxes on... And that's it. I don't put anything in the boxes. I just draw boxes. I think it makes me very sort of insular. I think it means I like everything sort of just so. I don't want anything complicated. You know, your mother, your mother draws greenhouses. 
That means, basically, she's a frustrated gardener, I should imagine. Do you have a big garden or a little garden? Tiny garden. Tiny garden. So there you go. A tiny garden. That's why she draws greenhouses, because she'd quite like to... You see, if I had a big enough house, I would put a greenhouse on the back, and I'd be growing bougainvillea, which is so pretty, but you can only really grow it in greenhouses. I know that they've, they've tried to make a, a hardy version for here. And and I just like to have lots of... Because when we were at school, we had greenhouses there. And we used to pot on and prick out. I know, I thought that was odd as well. But uh, in fact, that's one of the things I enjoyed doing the most. I was always pricking out. I had a little machine for doing it. But that that's probably what it is. It's probably because she wants a greenhouse, but she doesn't have the room for a greenhouse. Still sounds good, though, doesn't it? I quite fancy the idea. I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind that at all. The best of Steve Allen on LBC. They were talking about uh, the bodyguard. And it was in all the papers yesterday that she dies. Well, I'm happy to confirm now it's not a ruse. She does die. In fact, you know, the writer has been in all the newspapers. He's in every newspaper today. You can't miss him. Uh, he says, yes, she, she, she dies because he said she was never going to be in it for very long anyway. And so I get two emails from sad, desperately sad people. One is called Catherine. Catherine says, very disappointed that Steve Allen gives away the spoiler on the bodyguard. Did you ever think the people who are awake at 5am going to work might have recorded the show to watch later? No? No? Couldn't care less? I'm a radio programme. Why would I care what you watch on television? Couldn't care less whether you shove a tin of beans down your throat either. I'm not bothered about that. Thank you for ruining my planned evening's viewing. Oh, diddums. Didums. You must get over yourself. Just try and get out a little bit more. Obviously, you can't read because it was in every single newspaper yesterday. And then Gary said, I've started watching The Bodyguard and I can't believe he just ruined it. Yeah, she's definitely dead, Gary. She's definitely dead. Guaranteed. By the, by the writer. By the writer. Because she was only available to do uh, three episodes. So she's definitely dead. There you go. You need to get out and get a life, matey. Sad people, honestly. You don't realise that the, these trolls are out there, do you? This is the best of Steve Allen on LBC. Oh, you've got The Apprentice coming back. We like The Apprentice. That's where Alan Sugar's researchers... Alan Sugar with, with, with the Botox. Uh, Alan Sugar and the researchers find a load of deadbeats who can't make a living as hookers. So they go onto the programme and then they go, uh, you know, I'm living the dream and no is not an option. And they all systematically disappear without trace. They just disappear. It's like they're all... It's the sort of person you meet in a bar on a Friday night, probably in, probably in Sockyhull Street. And you're there in Sockyhull Street and you're having a, a small, small sherry or a martini at the bar. And the bloke next to you has had more than a skin foot. Oh. And you go, hello. And you go, I'm a builder. And you go, lovely. And you go, I'll build you a house tonight, shall I? And you go, yeah, you've had a lot to drink, haven't you? I certainly have. I could build two houses. Let's go and build a house. Or, or this, you get all people like that. Yes, we have. We have had a couple of people from the Apprentice uh, working here. Not, not, not too long. It has to be said. Not too, and not any longer. Leading Britain's conversation: the best of Steve Allen on LBC. It's a mad, mad world, and this is the mad, mad world of Mark Wahlberg. This is a typical day schedule. Okay, for Mark Wahlberg, who was Marky Mark. 2.30, wake up. This is a.m., OK? 2.30, wake up. 2.45, prayer time. So he's obviously a practising Christian, I'm assuming. Uh, 3.15 a.m., breakfast. 3.40 uh, to 5.15 a.m., workout. 5.30, post-workout meal. 
Six o'clock shower. Seven o'clock golf. Eight o'clock snacks. 9.30 cryo chamber recovery. This is this thing which pumps this uh, thing. It takes your body temperature down. Apparently it's supposed to be really good for you. 10.30 snack. 11 o'clock family time. Meetings, work calls. 1 o'clock lunch. 2 o'clock meetings, work calls. 3 p.m. pick up kids at school. 3.30 snack. 4 o'clock workout. 5 p.m. shower. 5.30 dinner, family time. 7.30 bed. You thought your day was, was packed. His is much more packed. And that, that's how it works out now. He does all of that every day. He starts at 2.30, but he goes to bed at 7.30. A late one, as far as I'm concerned. So, the Steve Allen goes uh, roughly... Um, what's a, OK, wake up automatically, 10.30. OK, lie there, pulling self together, trying to remind self where you are. And uh, then slowly slide out of bed because it'd be so easy to go back to sleep, but I've got things to do. So out of bed, into kitchen. Put coffee cup in machine, push button, makes a cup of coffee. OK, drag self into sitting room. Sit down, stand up, forgotten shaver. Back into the bathroom, pick up shaver, go back into sitting room, put shaver on couch, sit down, put on, you know, the news, see exactly what's been going on in the world, drink coffee, burn top of mouth. Go back into kitchen, put cold water into a cup of coffee, go back into the sitting room, sit down again, suddenly realise you've left your pants. Go back, put on pants, <laughs> take tablets out of box, swallow tablets. Always one left which you can't get rid of, sticks to roof of mouth. Back into the kitchen, get more cold water. Oh, like that, go back into sitting room, start having shave. All of a sudden, remember, water baskets. Back into kitchen, turn on tap, go outside. Remember to go back inside, put shorts on. Standing there in your pants doesn't look so good. Back outside again. Stand there. Suddenly realize you need to go to the toilet. Anybody looking? Uh, water baskets. <laughs> water baskets, pretending that, you know, we do water baskets like this. Go round, water the other baskets. Look at some baskets. Go, I couldn't care less whether you die or not. And some other plants. Go back inside. And the other day I made the cardinal sin. I got back inside, made myself another cup of coffee. The cup is always there so I can get another cup of coffee, start shaving. As I'm getting ready to leave, I suddenly realised I'd left the tap on, which meant that outside, two of my tubs were absolutely sodden with water. I'd filled them right up because I'd forgotten to turn the thing off. So now I remember when I get back inside, turn tap off, go take shorts off, sit in pants, have shave. OK, not there, up here. And uh, so I managed to do that and then get myself ready in the bathroom, look at myself in the mirror, cry for about 10 minutes, thinking you've died somewhere, and, and then do a little bit of exercise, lifting electric toothbrush up off the sink, and then spit out... Because at the moment I'm using charcoal toothpaste, don't ask me why, it's one of those fads. And, um, and so I do that, and then I put my bag over my shoulder, get my pass out, put my pass on, uh, and then think, maybe you should put a shirt on. Back into the bathroom, take the bag off, put the shirt on, uh, go out the front door, shut it, suddenly realise, oh God, you've left the keys inside. So we have to then try and open the front door again without the keys, which I'm adept at doing. Go back outside, suddenly realise, still wearing slippers, back inside the door again. This time you think, I tell you what, I bought some rolls the other day. Should I actually take uh, a ham roll or maybe a chicken roll down whilst I'm waiting for the car to come and collect me? Go to pick up the rolls. Solid. Absolutely solid. They've just gone off completely. So we throw 
rolls away, go out the front door, open front door again, sudden rush, take the rubbish down. Take the rubbish all the way down, get into the car park, open boot of car, put in sandwiches for producer, one for me as well, a couple of other little items, and stand on the street looking lost. Fox appears. Who's more scared, me or the fox? Me. Me. Go inside the front door, stand there looking out. You know, just waiting until the car, check on the map. Car arriving. 40 minutes, it said this morning. I thought, no, please, no, it can't be. Anyway, then magically it changed to eight minutes. I thought, we must be rocket fueled, And so all of a sudden, get in car, go on to news thing, sitting there thinking, right, I'll, I'll, I'll check the news things. Oh, I could really do with closing my eyes. And then I thought, I'll close my eyes. By that time, we're at, we're at um, Knightsbridge. We're at the store there. And there's a big store at um, Piccadilly Circus. I think it did clothes or something else. Huge. It used to be where Tower Records were, I think. It's closed. All the windows are all blocked off and everything else. So that one's obviously disappeared. Unless they're just having a bit of a revamp. And so, I, so and then you sort of arrive in work, you know, pick up your bits and pieces, go make a cup of tea, find clean cup. Can't find clean cup, have to wash one up. Make that, have a drink of water, sit down at desk, stand up, need the toilet. Off we go to the toilet. <sighs> on the way to the toilet, make it worthwhile, drink some more cold water, which, of course, doesn't help with diabetes. So back to the desk again. Uh, have um, a piece of fruit. Uh, this morning it was a peach. Well, it's not actually, it's a nectarine, but it's as, it's as good as damn it, I think. Uh, and then wander through the papers. Uh, wander on to YouTube, watch a couple of songs from uh, The Lion King, sob uncontrollably, trying to pretend you're big and butch and it's not working. And after we've actually done all of that, then producer appears. I can see him as he walks through another one of our radio station sort of office. And he always waves. I never wave back. He always waves. Everybody. Hello. And I say, what's he waving at? Perhaps he's seen somebody else. And he comes in and then we go and uh, do the, the podcast. Then we go back out again. And then we go through the, uh, the papers and we do the opener to the programme. And then before we know what's happened, we're in the studio. And here we are. And it's like that. Every day. This is the best of Steve Allen on LBC. The closest that Paul McCartney says he got to an orgy was a couple of hookers in Vegas. Well, I think that makes three of you. That would be an orgy, wouldn't it? I mean, I don't you know. The closest you got to an orgy. How many people do you need for an orgy? I don't know. No point in asking you. You wouldn't know. <laughs> I don't know myself, so <laughs> more likely to find out from, uh, from the other people, isn't it, really? Have you ever been to an orgy? Been to an orgy? No, no. Ever thought about going to an orgy? Well, admittedly, who would want you there? That is true. But well, somebody's got to pass around the drinks and the nibbles, haven't they? Hello, would you like Volivol? Hello, anybody? Yeah. Nibbles, yeah. I think nibble kind of sums it up, doesn't it, really? But I've never been to an orgy. You know, people used to talk to me about, oh, years ago, there used to be sort of all these radio DJs and they'd go to these parties. They'd have copious amounts of Lucasade or something. And then they'd... Oh, this is keys in the bowl. You'd throw your keys into the middle of the room and then you'd pick up a, a bunch of, and that would signify who you went home with. Many's the time I went home with a fridge freezer. I was gradually building up a complete orgy of kitchen appliances. It was just sort of one of those nice things. Uh, Zara says it's four people for an orgy. Oh, right. And Rob says I never go to orgies because you never know who to thank on the way out. Bit tacky, isn't it? Really? I mean, I don't know. They used to be very, very popular in in the sixties when it was all flower power, and you know, everybody was sort of getting excited. They used to go, oh, going to an orgy tonight. And you th- I mean, my idea of an orgy was sort of a packet of instant volivant, some small sausages on sticks, just to make you feel insecure, and uh, and then sitting around, maybe somebody produces a jigsaw. And we all used to pretend, yeah, we're like down with the kids. We know what we're, we're doing nowadays. The best of Steve Allen on LBC. Hot chocolate, which is said to make hair grow, has been rubbished by experts. Geordie Shaw, Sophia Cassay, claims that something here helped her hair loss condition. What a load of old rubbish. 
What a load of old rubbish. Don't take a blind bit of notice of any of these uh, these uh, people. You know, they just, they're just they doing it for money. They're making it up, especially if they're on Geordie Shore. You know what we're dealing with there. Really bad news, really bad news. And uh, bad news for, uh, I'm afraid, little Laura Anderson. Laura, you know, used to be trolley dolly in the sky. A bit of an attention seeker. And Paul Knops, I think that's how you pronounce his name. But uh, they apparently have split. They were on Love Island, of course, because it was fake. It was fake. And let's you know, single people, nobody's interested in her. She's an attention seeker and he's just a bit of a dipstick. So they later dismissed her as a bicker. But friends say, no, they disagreed on a night out because it was fake. Don't treat us like idiots. We're not stupid. We know that Laura is really, really desperate and apparently used to work for an airline. And how old is she? Is she? How old is she? 29? She's never 20. She won't see 29 again. She's more like early 40s, isn't she? I would have thought so. I mean, Gemma Collins is now 63, I think. And uh, Amy Childs, I think, is pushing 40. But they all—they have to pretend that they... And as for Chloe Sims, have you seen Chloe Sims? I mean, she was old years ago. Now she's going, oh, yeah, because I'm like 29. No, you're not. No, you're not. And Nadia Essex, who called herself Lady for some reason. She's been dropped from Celebs Go Dating. She's been booted off the programme after being caught using fake accounts to troll Twitter users. About time they did that with more of those sort of people, so you won't be hearing of her ever again. And um, they'll be hoping to avert a disaster. So somebody also quit this year as well from the other programme. She was setting up fake accounts to troll certain users, which is something that won't be tolerated. Why are these people so stupid? I mean, surely if you set up a fake account and you do something like that, they're going to, they're going to get rid of you. So they have. So she's disappeared. Goodbye. Finish. Leading Britain's conversation. The best of Steve Allen on LBC. Holly's new fashion range hits the marks. They'll be delighted. Whatever they, they've paid her, which I believe is quite a few million pounds. But there again, if, um, if John Lewis and partners are going to pay Elton five million for doing their, their Christmas ad, Holly's worth every penny. I shouldn't imagine Elton John could drag people into John Lewis. Have you ever heard him mention John Lewis? No, me neither. But uh, Holly Willoughby, she likes her, her outfit. She can wear them every day on the programme. There'll be a free advert and all they'll do is go, which one are you wearing today? OK, and they'll put up things in the store. The store will be ahead of the TV programme. You'll see her in the store in lots of big full-length pictures because she's pretty and she photographs well and she knows it. I mean, she's got to capitalise on it. Why not? All of a sudden, she might lose her looks and end up like Victoria Beckham. I mean, that could be a dreadful state of the affairs. And she can't manage to set... Have you noticed that Martin Spencer's weren't remotely interested in using Victoria Beckham? Holly Willoughby, they want to use because she's, she's great. I think we should get Pip in a pair of Speedos. In fact, actually, I'm building up fantasy Speedos. We re- I reckon Jamie Oliver in a pair of Speedos and Pip Schofield. Because you realise we've never seen Pip Schofield's body. He doesn't seem to have any picture of him on body. So either he's got... Does he do it? He shows it on Snapchat. Does he? Oh, when he's on holiday. Oh, right. Does he look like an adult body or is it just sort of a little child's body? Very grey. Oh, right. Very grey body. Poor soul. This is LBC. Here, Steve Allen live. Every Sunday morning from five and Monday to Friday morning from four. Eugenie, or Eugenie, as they prefer to call her, her wedding, they say, could outdo Harry and Meghan's, which is... You know, as she's a bit of a show-off and she doesn't do any work, it doesn't make any difference. I couldn't care less what happens to them. They can go and sit in a yacht on the uh, in the Pacific Ocean and get married. Nobody cares about them. They really don't. She's bone idle, and her boyfriend's a barman. I mean, God knows. I mean, it doesn't look doesn't get any worse, does it? You know, it's not going to outdo Harry and Meghan's because nobody likes Eugenie. They don't like the sister either, Eugenie and Beatrice. 
and uh, and I did clock in to YouTube and I did watch a lovely little piece uh, with Sarah Ferguson, who's there doing an interview. She's got her book out. This was this was some time ago. And so she's got an Australian guy there, and he's sitting there. They've got a nice little room set for her, and she's sitting there, and he asks her a question about the uh, about the fake shake. And you can see she's riled. Because she's got a foul temper on her. You know, she's not the... oh, I, well, No, she thinks she's something, as opposed to the woman with a father who used to frequent massage parlours. That's all I'll say about it, OK? That's where Major Ron spent a lot of time, massage parlours. And um, and so she's sitting there, and he's asked a question about this thing. And she goes, I don't want to talk about that. And he said, but um, it's just, it's in your book. We're here talking about your book. Well, I don't want to talk about that. And and she became quite quite obnoxious, which actually I'm led to believe she probably is. And uh, and so he he pursues it, and then she said, "Sorry, wait, wait. I thought we'd agreed that we're not doing this." And she goes through this. She has this sort of tantrum, as if she was somebody special, as if she was somebody special, uh, as opposed to the old toe sucking Sarah Ferguson with the old massage parlour father. And the whole thing was a bit of a disaster. But again, there again, she relies on other people to to crowdfund her, basically. That's the interview there. And she, she gets a little bit angry about being asked... Have we got a little bit of it? Do you want to hear a little bit of it? Just, you know, just to prove it. So this this was a programme called 60 Minutes Australia, which, as far as I'm concerned, is far too long. But there you go. You know, in that time, you can watch Sarah Ferguson. So she's there, and uh, she's being asked these questions, and she's you can see by her face she's not enjoying it. In the car and then returned it straight away. Once the scandal broke? As soon as I knew it was a scandal, not yeah. once it broke, Michael. But don't try and trick me now, because I'm not going to play this game. Delete that bit. John, can no, you just delete look, it, please, that delete bit? Because I don't bit. want delete to go down bit. this. Who do you think not you are? I'm asking very fair questions of you. No, I just too tabloidy. John is Sarah's Australian agent, off-screen. This is everything you've written in your book, though. Yes, I know, and, but it's the way... And you're releasing your book, and you've agreed the book to do I've the already, interview because the, the book has already been released, and the thing is, I'm not going to go down to this point. I'm going to answer your questions, but that's done. It's finished. I've answered okay, it. Thank you very much. Moving on to the next question. This is just the starting point of this year in your life that you've written Dave, thank about. You very it's much. pivotal. It's what thank started you. the whole thing. She's thank not you. happy. You do write, though. That this... She's not happy. She, and th- it, then, in the end, she stands up and she walks off, saying, you know, I'm taking a break. And so she just... And you think to yourself, if you're on a programme to plug your book, which is what she was doing, surely everything you've written about in the book, you're going to talk oh, about. Otherwise, it's a load of old codswallop. Remember, remember. She What's then goes off at a tangent. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to take five minutes. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no, basically, I can't be bothered to stuff you. I'll go for a walk. I mean, really, small wonder the children are like that. Small wonder. I'm sorry, dear, you've written about it in a book. You talk about it. What's the, I don't understand what the problem is. I can remember years ago, the legendary Brian Hayes on LBC had in Betty Davis. The legend that is Betty Davis. Betty Davis had written a book, and, uh, I mean, whichever way you look at it, she was Betty Davis, and she comes in... And he goes, we've got Betty Davis here, blah, 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 blah. And it's all going very well. And then he says, and, and this, is, this is classic, classic sort of interviewing technique. Uh, he says, I want to ask you about 1943. You had so I, I don't want to talk about that. And so there's a, a little pregnant pause and he goes, well, you will talk about it because you've written about it in your book. So she thinks about it for a minute. She goes... It was a Tuesday, I remember. And, and so she goes into it. And I thought, because either you can make yourself look stupid and stand up and walk out, in which case, you know, he's going to get all, all the coverage and the publicity. But that's what Sarah Ferguson did. You know, in Australia, pl- plugging a book. I don't know how many people bought it. I didn't buy it. Because you can do it. Or, or it's like what, what the GC did. You know, I mean, did you even 
read my book, she says to the interviewer. And of course, as she never wrote it, it didn't help. So they asked her a couple of questions. She didn't have the answer to it. Still the best, the best thing she ever did. Career move. Stepping forward, falling into the trap. That was the best move she ever made. That was the one that got us all laughing. But apparently she's now claiming that she tried to bed uh, Brian McFadden. Uh, I mean, let's face it, Brian McFadden's never set his heights too high because he was Kerry Katona's ex, if you remember. So we're not talking about somebody who's sort of going out with the really most stunning looking people. I think he went out with Vogue Williams. I'm pretty certain she's done the rounds. And, And she's not bright either. But it was so interesting when you watch these stars being caught out and they say, listen, but you wrote about it. And you put, yes, well, I know what you're doing. You're trying to trick me. No, we're just asking you questions. I never do an interview and, and as if I'm trying to trick somebody. That would be ridiculous. That would be what would be the point of that? You'd never get anybody to come in and do interviews. But I'm fighting them off. You know, people want to come in because they get a nice long chat. We can have a nice chat. I've never tried to trick it. The only time I ever did it was with Linda Bellingham. And it had broken that morning that her husband had left her for somebody else. And she came in. She was booked anyway. And uh, the late Linda Bellingham and I said, you know, I'd, kn- I'd known her for quite a while. And I said, listen, I'm going to have to ask you. They're going to think I'm mad if I don't ask. She said, that's all right. So I asked her the, the, the question and she answered it. Because otherwise you, you get this dead silence. I'm not trying to trick somebody, but if somebody comes in, just imagine somebody's, you know, partner's been found dead or something. You know, you're going to have to ask them about it. It's just, it's just the way it is. Just the way it is. It's only because I watched that and I suddenly thought, interesting, very interesting. You see the other side of Sarah Ferguson, which is the, don't mess with me, little squirt. That's exactly what it was. It was like a them and us. But as we now know, she's not really surviving very well on her own. But uh, she will be at the wedding of Eugenie. Will Prince Philip be there? Will he say anything to Sarah Ferguson? No, he won't. He hates her. Absolutely hates her. And uh, as he's the matriarch of the family, you know, that's that's it. It'll be remaining to be seen. So for Eugenie to say our wedding will outdo Harry and Meghan's is a very foolish thing to say. Because nobody likes you at the moment. They're going to like you even less after this. And apparently they're going to have lots of celebrities. Robbie Williams, the Beckhams, again, and Ed Sheeran will turn. He's bound to turn up, isn't he? Yeah, plays guitar or something. I don't know. I quite like Ed Sheeran. It's because he's so naff looking. You know, have you seen his girlfriend or wife? How does that happen? How do? Now that is that is a nasty thing. To, the producer says it's all down to money. It's got. She loves him. She's seen him naked. Sorry, felt a little bit bilious there, but there you go. No, I'm sure he's he looks great naked. Covered in all that money, fifty pound here, fifty pound there. <laughs> I bet it's uh, it's amazing. No, but I mean all these people who are going to this sort of wedding. I mean the Beckhams again. I mean, dear God, stay in a bit more, please, please stay in. I'm surprised they haven't invited the entire family, but of course they don't. Don't want hanger honours, do you? This is the best of Steve Allen on LBC. John Lewis, ninety nine percent profit slump. I mean, how much worse can it get? (laughs) For me the other day, standing in a queue. Hello, is anybody serving? Is anybody working? Quite clearly not. They're getting rid of people left, right and centre. It's not right, is it? How can they get themselves back up there? Get some bloody service in the shops. That'd help. That would help. That's all people are. I'm not asking for sort of bowing and scraping and we'll carry you home, you know, in a a rickshaw. Just asking for somebody to take money off me. How complicated. But But they'd rather spend the money they haven't got on booking a man with a dead ferret on his head for a Christmas advert. It's a little bit funny. Certainly bloody is, dear. It really is very funny. And so Elton John, who I'm sure has never even shopped in John Lewis. Ever seen any pictures of Elton in John Lewis? No. Do you think all of his furniture comes from John Lewis? I shouldn't think so. Does he get his clothes from John Lewis? No. What's he doing advertising it? Five million quid, mate. 
Five million quid, I'll take that one. Thank you very much indeed. Rocket Man. No, we don't want that one, Elton. Have you got something else you can sing? No? No? I could do Goodbye. No, we don't want that one. No, we don't want that one at all. Have you got something else for, for the Christmas ad? I wouldn't mind. Yes, yeah, sorry seems to be the hardest word. Let's start with an apology, shall we? Honestly, what are they going to do? Stick him in a campy old jacket and put him on television and perhaps he can do Step Into Christmas, Elton John version or something. And so that'll be it. But the, but the thing that's worrying about it is that they've already got a really expensive advert running for Bohemian Rhapsody. What's the point of that one? Is this the real life? Yes, you're going broke. Is this just fantasy? Might as well be. Caught in a landslide, you're going off the end of the cliff. No escape from reality. Look, I could do the whole blooming song for you this morning, but I'm not allowed to. Why? Because I'm not a fully paid up. It would take about half an hour. I'd be here for ages and ages. It was the longest toilet record in living memory, I think, next to Eloise by um, by Barry Ryan. I think that was another fairly lengthy single, but we loved it. So, in other words, if you put on Bohemian Rhapsody, you knew that you had enough time to go to the toilet, do your nails, comb your hair, you know, and probably have a shower and still come back and... To me... To, I can't sing, as you know. I'm a, I'm a bit flat in that department. Uh, five million quid for a Christmas song, Steve. He really is the sinner from Pinner. And, of course, he's also doing um, a chocolate advert, isn't he? The size he is. A chocolate advert. Oi, fat boy fat. Stop it. Stop it now. Begin to look like Eamon Holmes. You notice I don't let Eamon Holmes advertise any food on the television. A very wise decision. You could have her doing it, but definitely not him. And, and Sue in Twickenham says, what next? Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. Perhaps he needs the money. Perhaps he, I mean, you know, £5 million for an advert. What for? Do you seriously think that this country is going to go, oh, Elton John's advertising John Lewis? We must go there, mustn't we? You're not going to be saying that at all. I know exactly what everybody's going to be saying. Uh, it's a sad, sad situation, isn't it? Yeah. Goodbye, Yellow Brick Road. <laughs> if you enjoyed this podcast, listen to Steve Allen live from 4am Monday to Friday and Sunday from 5am.